Alex as our quote unquote uh, resident Resident Evil master of unlocking. Could you run us through the uh, synopsis of the game real quick? So when we're talking about the police station and say Claire and Leon's names a hundred times from now, uh, what what we're talking about? So it's framed a little bit. I would be delighted. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> On September 29th, 1998, two months after the events at the Spencer Estate. No, I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> oh my God. I thought that uh, was going to go on for a while, and I was like, all right, <laughs> buckle up. All right. So, Resident Evil 2 is a sequel to Resident Evil 1 and follows the events that occurred at a mansion estate outside of the Midwestern town Raccoon City. Welcome to Screen Looking, a podcast where close friends take a closer look at their favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and thanks for joining us as we finish what we started in our debut episode, the Resident Evil 2 Remake. What is a video game remake? That's a question many gamers were asking themselves when presented with one in the form of 2002's re-release of Resident Evil 1. As the graphical prowess of video games in the late 90s was quickly being leapfrogged, their immersive cinematic experiences began to reveal themselves for the more awkward, low-poly marvels that history has now cemented them as. And yet, once it was all over, the only question we had on our minds was, how long until we see Resident Evil 2 get the same treatment? Mere weeks ago from the recording of this episode, we finally got what we wished for. For the most part. If it wasn't for the remake of Resident Evil 2, this podcast probably wouldn't even exist. In our very first episode, Alex Koval got on a call with me to revisit what made the original so memorable back in 98, and joining us to see how it all came together in the end is my brother and returning guest, Nicholas Kuhar, for a special two-part edition of the Screen Looking Podcast. Today, in part one, we focus on the look and feel of the game, and cap things off with one of the remake's most divisive topics, Mr. X. We save most of the spoilers for next week, in part two, But all bets are off once Mr. X enters the picture in this episode. And to be fair, the statute of limitations are pretty far gone for a 21-year-old game, just saying. The three of us were left equally surprised, both by how well some of Capcom's radical decision-making worked in this reimagined version of RE2, but also by some of the more subtle options they chose to leave behind back in 1998. I have many, many questions and thoughts for my guests today as we finally revisit the Resident Evil 2 remake. It's kind of hard to believe that we're even talking about this in the past tense. Not a product of our wild imaginations and wishful thinking anymore. It's something we've all played collectively or separately multiple times through now. And we've got you know a number of pointed questions and observations that we want to bring up. But before we get into any of that, I have one very simple question for both of you. In honor of the now-retired Nintendo legend, Reggie Fusume, are your bodies ready? My body is ready. Nobody is ready for this. (laughs) Alex and Nick, welcome back. We don't spend a ton of time talking about Nintendo on this show, and I think it's worth just revisiting for a moment that this game, as I've played it and thought about it more and more, it really owes a lot to the groundwork that was laid by the original Resident Evil remake and also RE4. Um, And it's easy to forget that 
I don't know why I forget this, but the fact that just those two games were Nintendo exclusives on the GameCube of all systems, it's like as if when this game came out, if it was a Switch exclusive. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. It's my it's remains my favorite video game to this day. So, you know, I think that you know, and it, re- it reintroduced Resident Evil to a new generation of gamers. Even though the GameCube wasn't the most popular system, I would say it still was popular enough to get people talking about Resident Evil 4. And then the subsequent, you know, re-releases of it across the multiple platforms like PS2, um, Wii, and so on and so forth, I think really helped to jolt the series forward, maybe in the wrong direction, but it kept it alive when it very much needed to come back from death we'll yeah. say mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah the resident evil one remake we a long time ago alex and i started this tradition that we call the re night where when that game got announced we were so pumped to play it we decided we we're going to put a whole evening aside get through it as far as we can turn the lights off turn the volume up and just try to relive that experience of playing this game for the first time on the couch with your friends and when uh it's kind of it evolved into doing an RE4 night. And then to a few weekends ago, we basically evolved it into an entire weekend of just playing Resident Evil 2. And uh, long story short, you know, we started that weekend. I went over to Nick's house. And by the end of the night, it just felt like there's several people just crammed on a one couch. And there was something you said that really stood out to me that just kind of got to the heart of why I even care to do this podcast, why we're revisiting this topic over and over again, it just seems to never go away, um, was that you were explaining to a colleague of yours what you were doing over the weekend and why you were devoting a whole weekend to Resident Evil 2. And you said friendships were formed over this game. And to me, that's just like, oh, yeah, that's that's really what it's all about. And you're new to this specific conversation with Alex and I joining us to wrap things up. But this conversation is definitely not new to you because you played it just like we did back in 98. Wondered if you could walk us through maybe some of your memories playing the game as a kid and what stuck with you and why you felt that those friendships were formed and the bonding that occurred with a game like this. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was just because we were playing essentially two types of game at that point in our lives when we were like grade school. You're playing like the very colorful uh, Mario 64 or Pilot Wings or Wave Race, maybe Star Fox. And if you were playing something violent, it was like a Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter where the violence is like so over the top and and comical and cartoonish in a way. And this game was just like a totally new experience. So, and it, it was surprising in ways that like no video game was ever surprising. This goes back to Resident Evil 1 actually. Like I remember getting it from this this huge creep at this weird video rental place called Video Replay. And we were, like, looking for something new to play over the weekend. And he was a weird dude, but he had good games, so we, like, always went there. And uh, he told us about this Resident Evil game that was getting all this buzz. We are like, all right. Like, we looked at the art and stuff. We're like, all right, it's got, like, monsters in it. Like, that looks cool. It was a fall evening. It was raining. Uh, it got dark real soon. So we're playing this game in my bedroom. It was, I think it was you and Mark and I and maybe one or two of our friends from grade school. I had no idea what the game was really going to be about. And I just remember going down the first hallway where the dogs bust through the windows. And mm-hmm. we were like, holy shit, what is this game? Like, this is insane. Like, the, the zombies were actually scary. There was, like, a real sense of menace because of the forced perspective. And you couldn't always see what you could hear was pursuing you there were surprises 
in the game that had never happened to us in any gameplay experience before. Um, like you had myth- mythological type stuff, like in the Final Fantasies, but you were never like genuinely surprised and like jump out of your seat like you would for a horror movie. I think like the experience of being surprised together was a big deal. And then it was also just like, whoa, we've never played a game like this before and it's awesome. So I think like that was a huge thing that it was like new for everyone at the exact same time. And the the way that the puzzles were integrated and the music, like there was just, a, they evoked a mood that no other game ever had. Um, and then when two came out, everything about two was an improvement on one. And so then it just like fed that obsession with that game yeah uh uh alex is now a zombie <laughs> like you just like, <laughs> so i kind of i mean i definitely agree that this game is is definitely a game that forms bonds um i think because like you know you you obviously it's so immersive the environments are so immersive that you on mm-hmm. you honestly end up feeling like you're in the shoes of the character and uh you know, when it's you and somebody else, like, I think it's really easy just to sort of fall into the environment together. And I remember, um, yeah, I mentioned this in our original episode on RE2, but like playing this, playing Resident Evil's like at my, at the current time, he was my friend. We haven't talked in a long time, but uh, I would play it over his house at night. And like, we would just have like sleepovers where we would just play it like pretty much all night. And, uh, you know, everybody would go to sleep and it would just be us like playing this game. And, one night like we slept outside and we got like too scared so we came inside and then like mm-hmm. one other night we slept in his dad's like gun room because you know this is midwest america <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but i'm like if there's anywhere to sleep tonight during the zombie outbreak i'd want to sleep in this room oh yeah um <laughs> well um yeah so well, that's it while we're here do either of you uh feel ready to kind of give your 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 quick summary about what your experience was like playing the remake after all this time waiting yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think it's a great game, but it is not what the RE1 remake is to RE1. Hmm. Maybe In what way? I think the like big define. I think the RE1 remake at every turn was an improvement over RE1. Like it, it captured the spirit of everything that was great about RE1 and everything that was that compromised like the greatness of that game. It got rid of or improved upon. And I think, like, a couple things that really stand out, besides the graphics, obviously, were it's survival horror, and it's a remake, so there's a contradiction there, like, or there's a tension there, like, how do you truly scare people if you're leading them through a narrative that that they've already been in before? And they Mm -hmm. did that with, like, Crimson Heads. You know, like, I thought that was, like, an incredible part of the game where it was, like, you know, we knew RE1 back and forth, and, Mm -hmm. and then you still find yourself legitimately scared playing the game and surprised and then also from like a more narrative mythological point they what they added that really um i thought was a huge plus was the lisa trevor sequence Mm. and how that tied in with like the family and um and the umbrella corporation like that was definitely that was like there's a lot of um subtraction by addition in remakes but i felt like the re1 remake was like godfather 2 it was like the first time i'd seen a remake i'm like wow this is like totally every part about it justifies this thing's existence and i never go back to play re1 if mm-hmm. i do that i always do the remake um and i think that there are a couple elements of the original re2 that still are superior to this remake mm-hmm. so alex you want to go ahead 
Um, I agree a lot with Nick. Resident Evil Remake 1 is definitely my favorite game, as I've mentioned. But uh, So my hot take is just that, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, the campaigns on their first playthrough were definitely very enjoyable, although they were very similar. And I think that the lack of disparity between the, the, the campaigns really left me feeling like, you know, Capcom had so many things in place and they could have had like a real masterpiece on their hands. But I think they just fumbled in the end zone. Um, to me, it seems like the things that you would think would have been hardest to achieve, you know, were almost perfectly executed. Like they they were able to change the camera and the combat in such drastic ways, but make it feel so much in alignment with Resident Evil classic sort of third person perspective combat which is actually just very incredible in my eyes. Uh, whereas I think the things that you would think they would, that would have been easiest for them to achieve, you know, things like the different scenarios, the zapping, the, the story, uh, the stories being different and kind of intersecting, that was all very disappointingly mishandled for me. And I think that, you know, this was Capcom's chance to make the perfect immersive resident evil game like canon re2 with everything in line everything in order um and i think they just missed the mark yeah i mean that's that's pretty much Hmm. that's pretty much my take wow uh so my takeaway from it especially the first two resident evils the series is defined by quote-unquote re moments it almost helps like add to the vocabulary of talking about memorable moments in video games Nick just brought up the dog hallway. How often can you play a game and 20 years later still remember photographically things about it? And I think the first two Resident Evils are so good at that. The, the dog hallway, the liquor introduction. So going into this remake, I was not really thinking about that. But as we started to play it those first couple nights, what blew me away this one managed to do sort of the impossible and create new RE moments for me that it created these like tableaus or scenes that weren't quite as directed um, specifically as the original. It's a little more freeform, a little more uh, loose. There's a little more artificial intelligence driving some of these memorable moments. But the fact that it was still able to embed a lot of these moments with all these changes and new systems and the remix of uh, where items are and how things happen, the order they happen in and so forth, just sort of on a broad level kind of blew me back. And I was really, really impressed with their ability to create some of those really satisfying, juicy moments again that I will never forget. I mean, there's things that happened three weekends ago when we first played this that I will always remember, probably going forward. I'll probably remember them for another 20 years. Um, At the same time, I looked up, I dug up an old review from 1998 from GameSpot, the original one, and I think it gets at both some of the successes and I think where the game started to fall apart for me a little bit, which was... um, Uh, The review is from Ryan McDonald from 1998. In his closing statement, he goes, In the end, Resident Evil 2 is one of the most entertaining games I've ever played. With its unique camera angles, storyline, graphics, sound effects, and music, RE2 seems more like the product out of Hollywood than the video game industry. Um, I think there's a lot about that that applies to the remake as we played it, but I think what I started to notice, it felt like they sort of edited this game as if they were adapting it for like a screenplay. 
um, they made choices in what they cut back and what they consolidated, similar to the way that I think a movie does when they're trying to adapt a really dense fiction or work, and they're trying to cut it down and really get to the heart of it. And I think they they ended up cutting things and sort of assuming that maybe we as the player wouldn't want to go through those things, that we wouldn't want to spend as much time in these specific types of areas. And in the interest of pace and fluidity and consistency, I think they lost a little bit of sight at the end there of some of the things that originally were the whole point of why they made Resident Evil 2 in the first place. Um, and that being said, it's still it was still a super enjoyable, memorable game, but I feel like there's some of those kernels that that I found myself missing as I was trying to go through playthrough after playthrough. Let's dive right cool. in. Cool. All right. So on that topic, how did you guys feel about this game from a purely aesthetic, stylistic standpoint? I think that's some of the first things that stand out to us as we fire it on and see the new graphics and all those memorable moments recreated. I wasn't sure until I went and rewatched like a speed run of the original RE2, um, like how I felt about... Um, like the environment and the layout and the mood, all that. And I like way, way more, had way more appreciation for the remake and what Capcom's team did for the remake. Like after I watched that speed run, I like could not believe how barren the original police station was. Like it almost looked like it was an unfinished model in some ways. Like the, that front hall was so plain. Mm. Um, because when I started the, even when we did that thirty-minute demo, I was just like, it feels like they changed so much. I was like, is this like how much like how much of a revision is this going to be? Like I thought it was going to be more of a remake, but it was just my memory twenty-one years like failing me. And I was like, oh no, they like definitely kept all the iconic stuff, but I thought kind of the urban gothic horror element they did an awesome job with. Um, and I feel I was really skeptical about getting rid of the force perspective and turning it more into an RE4 perspective. But I found that I enjoy the gunfight and the gunplay a lot more with the with what they went with in the remake. I thought that the the use of the flashlight was a genius way to still kind of close off what you could see in any given um, frame. Like where you use the flashlight and you can kind of, you can, you can see some things, but not other things. And I was like, well, that's kind of a great way to like have a frame within a frame still. You just have like this little flashlight when you're aiming the gun. So I love that. Um, Yeah. Stylistically, I have Mm -hmm. no complaints about any of that. Mm -hmm. I think that the Gothic, yeah, like urban Gothic sort of police station or art museum turned police station, I thought was really well done. Um, You know, they made a lot of, decisions uh in this in the station i think to make it feel a little bit more believable than the original game or maybe like inhabitable like the original police station feels a little bit kind of dirty and dank this one feels a little bit more like clean and com- like it's a functional better space. organized yeah functional yeah 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 mm-hmm. and you know like in terms of like the the design of the enemies like i thought they just nailed that as well like i have always been excited to see a like fully re-rendered redesigned version of william birkin and i thought that they just nailed every single aspect of it i thought he looked incredible Mm -hmm. the liquors looked terrifying Mm -hmm. um 
you know, the dogs were great. The zombies were excellent. Like the textures on them were just amazing. The sewer sludge was. Yeah. Those disgusting. like giant adults were, yeah. were just such a cool reimagining. Like you fight one in the original game, but you only fight one and it kind of just looks like this weird, like tumor. But in this, they look like these terrifying half human, half, you know, G mutation mm-hmm. monsters from hell. And I thought that was just really, really well done on all fronts. I would say the aesthetics are great as you were mentioning seeing the um the realization of some of these enemies that we had only had such high rendering of in the old game even like the concept art for the old game was so much more uh articulate than the end product i think with how how few polygons they had to work with in the original so it was a little bit traumatizing to see a fully realized photorealistic liquor that could move mm-hmm. in such distinct unpredictable ways I think the funny thing is if you look at the concept art that they unlock for the player in this new one, and you look at the concept art for the original RE2, they didn't say, oh, well, Mm -hmm. no one's going to believe William Birkin has an eye growing out of his arm. They're Mm -hmm. just like super confident with, no, those designs worked. We're going to make it work. We're going to just like tweak. They didn't reimagine. They really Mm -hmm. reimagined the main characters more than anything else, which is one of the things that is funny how the, the costumes and the you know, the hairstyles and the, the, the different layers of clothing that they had in the original was actually the least believable part in a way mm-hmm. compared to these horrific monsters. And I think they did a really great job of just proving that those original concepts actually, they kind of aged well, mm-hmm. given all that. Um, yeah, with that said, I do really appreciate their the insertion of the records because yes. just having the ability to like look at all the all the assets in full 3d and like you can spin them around it's just like that's cool that was incredible i loved that yeah and i loved the concept art was just absolutely incredible like those were some of the best ideas that i thought they had like honestly yeah um just including those like rich ways of people to interact with the game i think they nailed the characters um for the most part uh, you know, Leon's costume is a lot more sleek, reserved. Claire's is a lot more uh, believable, mm-hmm. modern. Um, both of the characters seem appropriately their age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the side characters, all of them were pretty good. My exceptions were just like Ada was a little too like gumshoey mm-hmm. looking for my mm-hmm. taste. Like yeah. the sort of, it was just such a weird costume. It was like sunglasses at night. Mm-hmm. And like, which was kind of a weird choice, you know, I know Wesker does it, but, uh, and then like high heels and you just think like, you know, if somebody's going into the zombie apocalypse, like why the high heels, why mm-hmm. not like some sort of tennis shoes or something, uh, yeah. and, you know, and, and Annette I think was wearing heels too. It was just really strange. But besides for that, like I thought the character design was just excellent. Like they brought those characters into the, into the modern day really well. You know, Annette looks like worn down and kind of haggard and exhausted. Mm -hmm. Sherry looks appropriately, you know, not like kind of tiny and Mm -hmm. childlike. Um, So, you know, nailed all that stuff. And we could talk a little bit about the environments because I do have some like criticisms on that. They look very different because you get to see them from this third person perspective for the first time you feel a little bit disoriented as a player coming in. But then as we've all done a little bit of our research, we found that as people will lay the old map over the new map, you'll start to see, oh, actually they kept a lot of the layout of the original police station. 
it just looks different because they lit it so differently. They decorated it so differently. They rethought what the purpose and function of each room was or elaborated on that. Uh, Alex, where's your head at with that? Um, so, I mean, honestly, I really don't have any criticisms with the police station or mm. the labs. It's really the streets that uh. just I was really disappointed in. And I know, like, you know, a lot of people have expressed similar sentiments. Um, you know, I, I and it's it's for multiple reasons. So I think, you know, in the original Resident Evil 2, the streets kind of serve as this, like, testing ground for you when you're you just get thrown into it and there are just zombies coming at you from every direction, um, which is similar to the streets in the remake. But I think the zombies are a lot less aggressive and the space is a lot more open. So the zombies are easier to dodge, but the original kind of gives you like uh, an ability to sort of learn their movement patterns, learn how to navigate around them, see how many bullets they take to take down. It's sort of like, you know, 30 minutes or 20 minutes of gameplay before you even get to the police station, like before you even get to your first save point. Um, and there, there's, it, they kind of felt like a gauntlet to sort of like, you know, get you up to snuff for the rest of the game. But not only that, I feel like they were very immersive and it sort of set the mood for just how far gone this, this, this city was. Um, I mean, between you and the police station, there's probably 30 zombies, which is, a lot more than the remake you know i would say and and it's like each one of those zombies is pretty much blocking your path whereas in the remake there might be like 12 zombies or so um but they send you through like all these different areas you know and some of those areas you do get to experience later in the game but even when you get there as claire um you know you like you get to go through the bus you get to go which is pretty cool you get to go through the basketball court which is great but they all feel sort of empty or like just not as chaotic as I would have expected because, you know, as, as Robert Kendo says in the original Resident Evil 2, the whole town is infested with zombies. <laughs> um, and I just feel like just, you know, in my mind when I envisioned this remake, I envisioned this like, you know, you're, you're weaving between, you know, different zombies and having to shoot some of them in the knees to get past them and like, there's trash blowing in the wind and like crows flying overhead. And it's just like this totally immersive multi-layered, you know, experience. And I felt like even when you got to re re-enter them, it, they felt very light and nowhere mm -hmm. near as immersive mm -hmm. or For compelling sure. or interesting or inspired. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, there's a, there's an interview with the developers in 1998 and they talked about things they didn't do. There's a lot of press around, what they were going to do in this Resident Evil 1.5 that never got released. Mm -hmm. That sort of beta early version of the game got scrapped and they rewrote it. There's a section in it that was pretty fascinating where they said, originally in the first scenario of the game, you were supposed to start up, hold up in the police department, which was under siege. However, we wanted to convey to players the terror of a town overrun with zombies. So we changed the opening to one where you're in the middle of the town. In the middle of the game, though, we had planned another scenario where you would have to go back into the town, but the game was getting too long, so we had to cut that too. And then they continued on saying, right after you begin the game and until you arrive at the police station, your weapons are really weak. The player has no choice but to take shelter in the station as a matter of survival. However, after clearing the station with your character, you'll be better equipped 
and at this time, armed and ready, the player would head out into town, defeating zombies as he made his way to the sewer system. The, what they did here was almost what they originally wanted to do mm. in RE 1.5, but the, the difficulty was not matched. So you have, in this one, it's much easier in the beginning, but then when they bring you back out into the world, there's not as much to run into. I mean, there's some dogs or some zombies in the one instance, Mr. X is chasing you, but it definitely feels like the streets are more of like a break, at least in Leon's campaign. Um, I was really shocked at how cut down the streets were. And that was the part I was really looking forward to the most. You know, I really wanted to see the sprawling streets. I wanted to be in those streets for a long time, run through the kendo gunshot, run through the basketball court and make that mad dash to the police station. And then you start to think, okay, you know, you spend 10, 15 minutes outside. There's a lot of chances where you can die. So in the interest of maybe cutting down on the first experience people have with this game, I appreciated the cut, but then I thought, well, maybe they're going to save that for the B scenario. Cause by then you are more experienced. So you're ready to take on like a longer street scenario. Nick. Yeah. Any no. thoughts on the environments. Um, agreed. I mean, I think there was a, I think there was a couple nice touches here and there. Um, uh, it's like the interrogation room and on the glass, it says like, let me out or whatever. And then mm-hmm. like a liquor comes and, and just, uh, pounces you I, I didn't expect that at all so um and when you play it as leon a the glass is already broken and you don't really know what happened in the room um so it was cool like I, that was like one of the few places where they used the environment to show like how the storylines like do converge uh and they like you know one thing ha- can happen in in one character's kind of path but it and then you see the like detrius of that in the other ones so like that's cool I felt like I got most acquainted with the environment uh, when I was just running from Mr. X all the time. Um, I felt like that's where I got like the most like fluid understanding of like how to move through the police station is like you're just trying to evade Mr. X. I don't know. I thought like the police station, yeah, and the lab, I thought like everything that all the choices they made were an improvement. Um, like the library was so much more richly um, orchestrated, like where the zombies were, um, how the library kind of is almost like a reset point for when Mr. X is chasing you. There's a lot of ways to like get him 30 to 60 seconds behind you. If you, if you know how to use the ladder and the stairs. Um, so like, I really like the way they redid the library and the police station as a whole. Um, I love that they like went for it with some of the gore. Like in the opening, when um, Marvin kind of saves you with that pull-down gate and he just smashes that zombie's <laughs> head. Like that was in the 30-minute trial. I was like, sweet. Oh, and then the uh, the cop you try to save by like pulling him from under the other gate. And then like you finally pull him out and it's just like his torso and his like legs have been ripped off. The amount of times I've had to rewatch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. Like I, I just like that they didn't. Yeah, this it's a game for adults, you know, and I like that they 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 up the ante with it. Like when it got to be really gory, um, it didn't feel gratuitous. Like it felt like yeah, this is what it was kind of Walking Dead, like season one of Walking Dead. So um, I like that. Whereas obviously in the old REs, um, even the RE remake, maybe in some cases, like it um, always scary, always tense, but not quite as like Japanese horror squeamish 
Mm. I like that they like went there for this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the lab. I'll mention that. Mm-hmm. If there was one thing I thought I was really impressed with, um, I love the sleekness of the lab and how that was all set up and and um, kind of rethought for the remake. Just loved it. Yeah, I thought the lab was definitely one of my favorite parts of this remake. And looking back at the old one, I watched the speedrun as well, and I was really shocked at how my memory failed me and how drab the mm-hmm. old labs were, how like gritty and rusty mm-hmm. and desaturated they were, and how in this one it was almost like they took a nod from Portal. It almost and, looked yeah. like Blade Runner to me at points. Mm-hmm. Like I, I loved it. Just, um, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Question I have for you guys is how did you feel about the use of light in this game? Because I think that's sort of where the environment and gameplay start to cross over and like visual choices affect pace and flow and everything you know what i actually noticed mostly in the when i switched to the leon noir costume i found the black and white made it really hard to just navigate the environment mm-hmm. which i was super bummed about because i love the noir costume and i was like oh this would be like a cool little novel thing that'll like get me back in through my my third run with leon and within 20 minutes i was like this is just really frustrating i can't tell like what herb that is mm-hmm. um, oh like the color indicators were big. Like, is this a fire round or an acid round? Like, I don't know. Like, let me go back to the menu. Um, so there was that. I mean, I thought the flashlight was a great twist. Um, I thought the sewers were too dark um, to the point where, like, it just frustrated some gameplay um, and made it difficult to get some of the items that um, were pretty scarce to begin with. But I suppose sewers are dark, right? <laughs> like, they're underground. Um yeah, it was weird. You go back and watch the RE like two original, and like when the spiders come out, like that sewer is pretty well lit. You can see where all the spiders are, so it's like not really scary. It's just like, oh shit, gotta avoid these like the venom they're dropping, so I don't get poisoned. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. I mean, I think that. So I, I wasn't playing the game on a particularly great TV. Mm. Uh, I don't know if the contrast ratio wasn't really that high, but I same. And then there might have been some spots that were a little bit less dark than others, but I found that like. The blacks weren't like deep enough, mm-hmm. like inky enough, yeah, and the uh, the game itself had sort of like a gray, misty filter on it. So I found a lot of places where like you're moving around a lot in environments that are like different shades of black and gray mm-hmm. was just like very, at least on my television. Like, and I'm playing it on a PlayStation, not a PlayStation Pro or anything. So it was kind of like blurry and sort of like hard to distinguish things really well. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've heard a couple people complain about the sort of darkness of the game. And I kind of agree with that. And I also think that, like, you know, I do understand that the sort of use of the flashlight in dark areas does create, like, a tense experience. Um, but I do kind of wish that there was a option to turn on the lights in the police station so that you could actually <laughs> explore the environments you know, let's say, like, after you clear out most of the police yeah. station, like, you could turn on the lights and it would yeah. have maybe open some doors you could go back and check out or something. Because I just feel like... They, that uh, that thing in the lab, that device, the uh, oscillator. Yeah. I love that. That was so cool. You could go back to, like, a room and, like, yeah, open up. Yeah, exactly. It's and, like, of, yeah. it just pains me that I'll never be able to see, like, East Office spatter. hallway and fully lit up, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like... Oh, there's, they put so much work into it, and like mm-hmm. I'll never be able to see it like fully lit up. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great reward in the labs. Getting to mm-hmm. they give you a little mini puzzle, and if you spend the time to really 
flesh out the labs. You get to turn the lights on and like turn on that server room that, mm-hmm. that lets you in. I think I actually think that there was something about the original being lit that was both goofy but kind of worked in its favor where I the darkness sort of set the tone of this is the vision for RE2. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that boldness. And I think that's a, a theme we'll get to throughout, at least my takes on the game, that I really appreciated. Um, they kind of had guts with this game, literally, figuratively. Mm-hmm. They they really went for it in ways that really pushed the player to the brink. But there's something about going in the police station and the lights being on and they're just being zombies idly standing as if like it's just that's not like the most obvious horror choice that I was kind of hoping, oh, maybe I'll go into this office and it'll be fully lit and there will just be zombies standing around. And it's kind of like, whoa, okay, there's something else going on here. Or maybe they'll have the lights on, but then something causes the power to go out and then the lights go off and that area you were in suddenly gets harder. Um, so yeah, I agree. I wish there was an opportunity to turn more of the lights on mm-hmm. um, on second or third playthroughs around. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, though, some enemies they really didn't bring back from the original Resident Evil 2, they kind of put their abilities and the threats that they presented into other ones. Some enemies got pretty reimagined. Arguably, I think the zombies were probably one of the most reimagined with how fluid their movement was and how mm-hmm. how many hits they could take and how they didn't really confirm whether they were dead or not. I guess from that standpoint, I mean, how do you guys feel about the different monster types from a interactive standpoint, less of a like visual? So... Probably one of my favorite parts of the game were, was um, how the standard villains were reimagined. Like, I thought the zombies are actually a, a formidable challenge. Like, headshots, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'd wait for a zombie to get within inches of a shotgun blast. And sometimes they their head wouldn't blow up. And I'd be like, wait, what? Um, so, like, that, that kind of, like, mini element of surprise where it was like, okay, I have to take, like, even the zombies more seriously. And even after 8 to 12 hours of gameplay, as you get used to the aiming, you get used to, like, what guns give you what and, like, what their blast radius is and all that. Like, the zombies are still pretty challenging. Like, they'd keep you on your toes how they'd lurch around. So I thought they – I like that they made your, like, basically – I mean, they're the the pawns on the chessboard. I liked how those were formidable. And I really loved when they put you in situations where – there's a liquor and they make it clear that like the liquors I feel are more physically powerful and, and scary than they ever were in the original. Yeah. They're blind. So as long as you don't make a lot of noise, you can like sidestep a lot of them, but they put you in situations where it's like, all right, this hallway is going to be like half full of zombies. And then there's also going to be two liquors. So there's going to be times where you need to move fast, but then there's gonna be times you need to be like really delicate with your movements. So you don't upset mm-hmm. the liquors. So like, that was in some ways, I think, like the best puzzle in the whole game. The one people were flipping out about online was the no spiders. Tons yeah. of people were bringing up, like, really, where are the spiders? Hmm. I read so many reviews where people were pissed there were no spiders. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Spider yeah. gate. I mean, they're I, only in like a couple places, but they're so effective when they are there. I, as soon as but, I saw the blue herb, I'm like, yeah, spiders. Um, I was so <laughs> excited to see how they would render and reimagine those. Like, I was like, oh man, they did such a great job with the liquors. The spider's going to be terrifying and like just Shelob freak me the hell out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was pretty bummed they weren't in it myself. Yeah. yeah. I loved the zombies. Like, they were, they were maybe my favorite part of the game just because. They would surprise you in ways that weren't frustrating. And they gave you a lot of options. Like, they move slow enough where you could duck them and save the ammo. 
you know, you could be a little bit more strategic about it, shoot it, like kneecap them a couple times and then take them out with a knife and, and be done with them, but still be more like conservative with your ammo. Use the, using the grenades on them, like could be really powerful too. Cause like the grenades, if you were really careful, you could line up zombies in a way where like one well-placed grenade could could knock out the majority of them. I love when they give you a lot of options to play the game the way you want, um, and you can mix it up. Like maybe you're someone who just wants to save all the ammo for the big dudes and just juke the zombies all the time. You can mix it up and do a little bit of everything, and they would put you in situations you'd like legitimately be on your toes where like they would even fall over guard railings in mm-hmm. front of you. And I was like, holy <laughs> like these guys are so much more mobile than I'm used to and they move in unpredictable ways. So I really, I really like them. Um, they never really got on my nerves either. Um, and I like the Ivy a lot too. Cause I felt like they were more formidable kind of versions of zombies where it's like, Hey, there's not a lot of room for error. Cause if you don't have a knife on you and they get you, you're done. Like, that's it. They just chew your face off. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It's instant? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't have a knife, they kill you in one shot. Um, but I like, too, it was like, okay, you know, there's not a ton of gas ammo for Leon when you're facing them. But if you, like in that greenhouse, if you duck around the right way, you can kind of get two or three of them in a very, like, condensed spot. And then you just, like, blast them with, like, 50 to, like, 80 fuel out of like whatever 200 holes mm-hmm. at a time and you can be super concerned you can like be really efficient in in how you dispense of them and they were slow enough where like you could really strategize but they could they could still lurch at you and so um it wasn't easy so yeah the ivy and i think the zombies um i really appreciated like the standard enemies and was pretty much mostly disappointed by the bosses mm-hmm. yeah alex so yeah, no, I think they, I think the enemies that they did have in the game, they they nailed like on every level, pretty much like design, combat. You know, I think that the zombies, like Nick was saying earlier, they presented like ample challenge. They like, you know, are just not to be underestimated. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like kind of learned that you could shoot them in the knee and run past them, but mm. then you run the risk of you know entering the area again and backtracking, and then you know it's still there, and maybe it's on the other side of a door or something you don't expect. If you know if you're trying to speed run it or whatever. You know, and they do lurch around a lot, which makes, you know, predictability very difficult. I think when they grab you and take you down, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. I think, like, the way that the characters kind of, like, have to struggle with them and, like, punch them off, like, feels so realistic and immediate. You know, the liquors present an alternative where they're just brutally powerful and can absorb ridiculous amounts of bullets, especially if you're Leon. But you're given the option to walk past them. And totally avoid them, which I think is just, like, really cool. Um, ironically enough, the best weapon to take them down is actually the knife. The Lakers? Um, yeah, which oh, is weird shit. because, you know, it's, like, an option that's quiet. But if you sneak around, like, behind them and start stabbing them with a the knife, it only takes, like, seven or eight swipes. And they kind of get into, like, this stun lock mode mm. where they can't, like, amply turn around. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I once I figured that out, I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Gotta try that. Uh, So that's pretty cool. And then the dogs, I I felt like, yeah, just knifing some. (laughs) I'm just gonna like stock up on combat knives and like knife the liquors. Sorry. How does it feel? (laughs) Sorry, I'm busy. I have to go swipe liquors in the back for a few hours tonight. There was, okay. (laughs) Go without me. That sounds hopelessly dirty. I hate to interrupt you, but I feel you'd appreciate this because we're talking about the liquors. There was a guy that was, had heard some like Reddit urban myth. 
that if you shoot the liquors directly in the butthole, they would die in one hit. <laughs> I <laughs> he, saw that. He tried to do it, and he was like, nope, just makes them angry. On to one of the strangest suggestions in the last video, and it involves a liquors bumhole. If you use the model viewer in the main menu, you can see that liquors have a fully rendered bumhole. If you've been following my channel for a while, you'll know that I love attention to detail in games, but this one might be pushing it a bit far. The theory proposed was that if you shoot a liquor in the bumhole with Claire's grenade launcher, they will die in one hit. Now, liquors are some of the toughest enemies in Resident Evil 2 Remake, so an easy way to take one down would be a godsend. To be honest, I'm not surprised that this myth is a dud. I tried five or six times, and on the first attempt, when the liquor fell to the floor, I thought we were onto something, but nope, they lived through it. The trouble is, I've spent so long looking at liquor's rear ends that whenever I close my eyes, it's now all I see. <laughs> uh, yeah. So As it should, yeah. I had really mixed results with the liquors. I, I really loved them as an enemy. I think... That whole moment in the original Resident Evil where they clamor past the window and then they don't do that in the new one. They fake you out and you're waiting for it, but then they recreate it later. And then yeah. they, they first, the way they place them and taunt you above the star's office, you know, that there's that first, um, the first time, Alex, that you saw it and we were like, oh, oh, oh that's a liquor. There's a claw. And they're like, no, that's just the shadow of like a fern. Like, and there's like, oh, that's not a liquor. And then we're like, oh, that's so stupid. We're such idiots. We're like so scared. We thought the fern was a liquor. And then we go, wait, what's that on the ceiling? And you see it hanging in the shadows. And then it picks up the zombie and throws it down, which was such a great, like, spiritually true way mm. to introduce the liquor. Because mm. there's that sadness of, oh, they didn't do like the moment. Mm -hmm. But then they do it and they mm -hmm. just, you know, they catch you off guard. Like you said, Nick, there's mm -hmm. surprises and they're still making you they're trying to make it feel like as if you're playing it for the first time. Yeah. So I really appreciated that and the way they handled and directed the moments of the liquor. And so Alex, you know, you told us we were texting back and forth. Oh, hey, you can walk past them. And I remember Alex walking past and just sneaking into the stars office and then coming back out and being like, as soon as I come out, this liquor is going to pounce on me. He's not on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then we go, wait, where is it? You can hear it, but you can't see it. And that's when it became like old RE2. Mm -hmm. And it was all about audio. And then Alex is turning the corner very carefully. And as soon as he turns the corner down the hallway, I, I that's another moment I will never forget when you came face to face with that liquor and just like that whole setup felt so organic and just made me appreciate the nature of that, that enemy from a like conceptual and like execution standpoint, just the way they placed it in the world. I think the one area that, um, let's just get into it, Mr. X. Because yeah. I think Mr. X is the fulcrum for which all the game systems teeter on it pushes the movement speed the familiarity of the police station the gunplay the use of light the sound design hearing his footsteps he he doesn't go away mm -hmm. it's you know i talked about re moments when we were playing this because mr x is supposed to not be in the canon first campaign he's supposed to be in the b scenario mm -hmm. from the original so him being in like the first time you pick it up and pick whatever character you choose He's not usually a part of that. So when you get to that hallway and turn that corner and he lifts the helicopter, I remember Alex, I know it's, and having played it by myself, I fully understand the stress of Mr. X and how it can be both heart pounding and frustrating. Um, but watching it and hearing the footsteps, mm -hmm. there's like a half of me that really was like, okay, they went for it. They did not hold back with this. They fully committed to this unkillable monster chasing you who is some level of intelligence greater than the zombies but then also realizing they're just putting you in situations where there's almost no chance of survival 
with the information you've been given. What are your guys' feelings on Mr. X as sort of a like breaking point slash like full realization of this game? You want to take it first, Nick? Or? Yeah, um, yeah. It's just it just oscillates for me between being like exhilarating and so goddamn frustrating. Um, the best parts of the RE1 remake was like, or one of the best parts was the Crimson Heads, and it's like, oh my god, this is surprising, and it shocks you, and it scares you, and it adds a new level of challenge. But there's also you know, you could still manage it in a way where it doesn't frustrate, like, the ultimate kind of, like, plot in the, like, that you're really your A-level mission and, like, well, okay, well, what am I going to do next? What key do I need? What, like, what puzzle do I need to solve? Whereas I found with Mr. X at some point, like, after a couple of encounters, um, it became less suspenseful and more annoying. And then, too, if you're a savvy gamer, you figure out kind of where, what parts of the game trigger him. And you can kind of duck around those for as you you like wait to do the things that trigger Mr. X for absolutely as long as you can, and then you really minimize how many times you have to deal with him. Like I do like that they surprise you when he comes into the game, and they surprise you in terms of how formidable he is. And hearing the footsteps for for like a while is is tense in the right way for that game. then it's just like this guy again like Mm. um i think if they had been used a little bit more um not subtlety i think a little bit more restraint in when they deployed that character so every time he did show up it would be a surprise again or like one of the things i loved was that he could go into the main part of the police station Mm. and you like oh this is a safe room you can't get me here it's like nope like pretty much no room is safe other than a couple of like that once you go into like that first kind of like sub part of the police station before you go down the elevator it's like okay he can't come in here right but he'll just wait outside the door it's cool that there's very little places you're safe from him but i wish they would have continued to like have him do things that surprised you like that like as the game um and they kind of don't it's just like okay yeah you'll hear the footsteps and then you hear the the Hans zimmer (laughs) shit come up and it's like okay here's mr x again it's like okay so i don't know he He's such a divisive part of the game. Um, so he's like kind of iconic, but also just equally parts annoying as hell. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with Nick that he, he is initially terrifying. Like, and, you know, I've, I've, calm, I've cooled my jets a little bit on Mr. <laughs> X, to be honest. Like, my second playthrough was like much more manageable because mm-hmm. I knew like what he, where he could go, where he couldn't go. Um, you know, how to kind of like juke him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, my first playthrough, I was just... I was terrified and also just totally frustrated because they do this thing that it works the first time, but on subsequent playthroughs, it doesn't really work. But, you know, once Mr. X appears, all of a sudden, the parts of the police station that you have to go through are populated with enemies all of a sudden not yeah. all again. And it's not just it's not just zombies. It's also liquors. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember the first time we were playing, Andy and I were playing it, like, there was just this beautiful, like, there was a beautiful moment where... Like I could simultaneously hear like our mutual hearts stop beating where I was in the I was in the main hall of the police station. I had just gone through a save room. I'm like, okay, you can't get us here. Like this is this is a save room. We're safe. We're totally good. And then, you know, I go over to Marvin and all of a sudden Marvin gets up and I'm like, oh shit. Like this is how I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take out Marvin now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like kind sure. of hesitating, kind sure. of hesitating, like, well, can I just run around him and like leave him leave him alive or whatever? 
And as I'm like sort of skirting the area, all of a sudden I just see Mr. X come out through the shutter gate of the bottom le like level mm -hmm. and like that music cuts in. And I'm just like, my heart just like totally stopped. And I was like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So I just started sprinting. And my first like, my first idea was to kind of like kite him around and go through the waiting room and then down that like long hallway that I had barricaded, which was probably the worst possible idea <laughs> that I could have had. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there's not only a liquor there, but then there's like, so I see the liquor and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I shoot it and then I'm like, I gotta run because Mr. X is like right behind me. I start running and then it like slashes me and then I like continue to run. And then there's like a zombie that broke through one of the mm -hmm. windows that I didn't barricade. And it eats me and then I'm like still running. I heal up, I jump through the little shortcut to you know the opposite side of the that hallway. I get down there, I'm like, all right, this hallway's clear. I cleared this hallway out and like, sure enough, there's two freaking liquors there and they're just like, they're just taking turns beating me up like a pinata and mm -hmm. like you know i'm like trying to hobble down the hallway to the save room and i get to the save room and i'm just like holy crap that was how the hell am i ever going to survive this and like that was a like incredibly frustrating experience but like also i get what they were trying to mm -hmm. do yeah mm -hmm. um it was incredibly frustrating because like the tone of the game for me totally changed to a game where you know you are thinking and planning and counting your bullets and thinking what to take with you and you know being rewarded for foresight or good execution mm -hmm. or like analytical exercises you know like and you know i appreciate gameplay like that and this turned it into more like a run and gun it was more mm -hmm. frantic and mm -hmm. you know heart pounding it was like a different sort of survival horror for but sure. like I didn't feel I like I didn't personally enjoy it because I didn't feel like it was really challenging me in any ways. Yeah. Um I felt like I was just reacting immediately to like stimuli yeah. and even on subsequent playthroughs what I had to do was learn his patterns and so like ultimately I'm reducing him down from that frantic gameplay to a more analytic gameplay. In, in that way, like, it has, in its immediate first playthrough, it has a direct impact that introduces something new. But in its subsequent playthroughs, I don't feel like it does because mm -hmm. you're ultimately just using the same play pattern that you would what you you would use normally in the game otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, oh, for sure. Yeah. So there's a quote from Shinji Mikami, who is the producer on the original games and uh, the remake and, and 4 and whatnot, and you know his thoughts on why they moved to the action angle at 4. And he said, to me, survival horror is a balance between a scary kind of gameplay and the challenge of overcoming that fear. You get a sense of achievement out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that when applying that to what they did with the new Mr. X, it was hard to feel like they were giving you an opportunity to overcome the fear mm -hmm. of Mr. X. And I think that's what was missing from him is that in spite of, okay, I made sure to board up all these windows in that hallway. I made sure to clear it. I made sure to have the right ammo on me. They throw things at you that you really have no opportunity to overcome besides for just, again, hobbling through this gauntlet. I think watching it, was an incredible experience. I had the luxury of not having to deal with deciding what to do about Mr. X the first time. Alex, that scene where he appeared in the main hall, I will never, ever forget mm -hmm. <laughs> Marvin Branagh 
and you think you're safe, it's also, oh, wait, we haven't checked on Marvin in a while. And then Marvin gets up, and Alex is, uh, Alex, the way you brought him up the stairs to kind of decide, how do I want to deal with Marvin? Because <laughs> there's a little bit of that character connection. Like, I feel bad. Should I take him out? So I just kind of let him oh, live. Yeah. Mercy like, kill. Like, second life live as a zombie in the no. is The hall is a new little place. And then you look in the distance, and Mr. X is just barreling towards you up the stairs. So now you have Marvin coming up one stairwell, Mr. X coming up another, <laughs> and it was the whole Stella Charybdis situation. And I was just loving it that they went there with it and that the game sort of naturally created that moment without, mm-hmm. oh, like you you just happen to spawn on the stairs and they're both coming up at the same time. It wasn't like they paused the game. This was all real time. And so instead of Alex trying to give this really graceful send off to Marvin. He just is like, sorry, dude. He uh, unloads yeah. a flame round right in his face yeah. and has to just run past him. There's moments like that that were amazing, mm-hmm. but then they're sort of stymied by enemies that were never there that you would no way to prevent. And I think it's sort of, that's where the game creates that friction that wasn't as pleasant. Mm-hmm. Hilarious and entertaining and scary to watch, but really frustrating to play at times. I, I agree. I You know, the bright spot of him is that you know, you in that way, you do have you are being given a way to learn his methods and rules, like the rules of the game. And mm-hmm. like, so he is fair, like the AI is fair, it's mm-hmm. not unfair. But, you know, I do find it to be one of those things that ultimately brings the replayability of the game down a bit, because mm-hmm. it just feels like something like, uh, like, every time I play the game, I'm like, oh, crap, not this part again. Like, mm-hmm. I just legitimately don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like wait like other ways they could have made that experience more effective in my eyes was you know if you want to create an environment that feels like you're constantly being pursued like the idea there is that like you just never know when he's going to pop up instead of having an enemy that chases you through you know every room or like you can't fire bullets without having him like basically be breathing down your neck in like the next minute they could have just had a, an enemy randomization aspect mm-hmm. to the game mm-hmm. where like maybe like zombies find their way in through like other areas or something or like liquors find their way in. You know, dogs could, they could just have made the environments maybe a little bit more like unpredictable because it seems like the enemies have like a pretty predictable spawn pattern. Like, you know, there's like certain places they can come in through and like they come through them pretty much every time repetitively unless you board up the windows or whatever. So they could have like had a little bit more of like an enemy randomization aspect to it. Like maybe on one playthrough it's a zombie or two zombies and another playthrough it's a liquor and another playthrough it's a dog. You just never know what's going to happen. You know, I think the idea in Resident Evil is that like, like we were talking about, if you plan ahead or if you prepare, you're rewarded for it or like you're rewarded for thinking strategically and handling situations strategically to the best of your ability. And I feel like Mr. X kind of gives you that, but definitely not like on your first playthrough, like when you're still kind of like understanding, trying to understand his pathing and like behavior. Um, But even then, like what they probably should have done is like something similar to the original game where you can take him out if you invest enough like bullets into him. I'm thinking of net the original Resident Evil 3 Nemesis where basically you can either choose to fight or run from Nemesis and if you run you end up saving ammo but if you fight you end up like getting like taking down Nemesis and then Nemesis isn't like up your ass the entire time mm-hmm. and you also get like good items from him mm-hmm. I like that a lot because you know in some of the Nemesis encounters you could utilize like environmental objects to take him out like oh there's a gas leak and like you send you kind of like kite nemesis around the back and then like turn like light a match and throw mm. throw a lighter and it like 
blows up and you know takes them out of the game you know i think things like that where you use the players like understanding of the police station and the environment to sort mm -hmm. of like help them take out mr x on their own terms i think that would have been much more engaging yeah i agree As we close out part one here and transition into our next episode, which will focus more on the remake's narrative and campaign elements, I wanted to share an excerpt from an interview I came across after we had already wrapped on the episode. It's with the remake's writer, Brent Friedman, where he shared his perspective on watching Mr. X come together from Capcom's side of things. So here's Brent Friedman on Mr. X from his interview with YouTuber Chris Gamesalot. I gotta be honest with you, the first encounter with Mr. X made me shit my pants. I, uh, dude, well, uh, that yeah. is the horror, yeah. most horrifying thing I've ever encountered. It is so funny you say that because um, when I was looking at an early kind of prototype of the game, um, and this was, you know, before like it had any of the lighting or the atmosphere, I mean, it was like almost watching an animatic, if you will, just like very kind of crude version. And they would show me, you know, certain sequences that, and that I would have to write kind of the, the what's called the in-game dialogue, you know, where you, Claire goes, what the, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, um, or I can't believe this is happening, you know, wh whatever those like exclamations are where you're not really seeing their mouth move, you're just hearing kind of the audio and it's, it's meant to kind of keep you connected to the character in some yeah. way. So I'm looking at the, the version of it at that stage and I'm going, oh boy, this is not going to work well this is this mr x thing looks goofy um and so i i was very that was one of the things i was most nervous about until i saw the final version and they they added two key things forget about the look like i mean they the lighting and everything made him feel much more real but um they added the sound effects of his foot stomping oh my yes and that music that's associated with him. Yep. It's, it reminded me of the way music, you know, played such a huge part in Jaws, you know, where you go dun, 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 you know, just like yeah. builds that horrible anticipation of being attacked. Music and sound effects in today's episode came from the Resident Evil 2 remake and the official soundtrack to the Resident Evil 2 remake which of course all came from the Capcom sound team. I'd like to give a shout out to Chris Gamesalot for the excerpt we featured at the end of the episode here from his excellent interview with writer Brent Friedman. You can check out that full interview on his YouTube channel. And I'd like to give another one as well to Captain Excellent for his research into the very inconvenient ways of taking down a liquor in his Resident Evil 2 remake Mythbusters series, which you can also find on YouTube, from which we also featured a short clip. Thanks to Alex and Nick for joining me today, and you can expect to hear more from them very soon in our next episode. Last but not least, thanks to you for listening to this episode of Screen Looking, and especially to all of those who have been patiently awaiting it. The good news is that you won't have to wait very long for our conclusion, as part two of this episode will be available around the same time next week. For the second half of our extended conversation, Alex, Nick, and I are going to venture forth into the story and campaign differences in the remake, between both Leon and Claire's alternate scenarios, as well as some of the details that changed since the original version in 1998. 
In the meantime, if you'd like to leave us a review or rating from wherever you listen to podcasts, we'd much appreciate it as that'll help us grow our audience and reach more people and gamers just like you. Again, I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and I hope you look forward to joining us next time as we reach our conclusion on the Resident Evil 2 remake. Until then, take care and happy gaming. Happy gaming.